Good morning. It is Thursday, October 26th. It is five minutes after 10. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Matt Gates is currently on a roll. Yeah. Within the past 24 hours, he has uh, gotten the guy that he wanted, elected Speaker of the House. He's also calling for Mitch McConnell to be removed from office. Casey, I can look out. I can tell you from this, this from experience. Do you know what an awesome position it is to be in, to be an elected person, when you simply don't care if anyone likes you or you remain an elected person? I used to get this all the time. Well, if you'd blah, 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 then you're not going to be here in, in two years. Well, I ain't going to be here in two years anyway, so next threat. Mm-hmm. And Matt Gates is in that position where he don't care. He mm-hmm. doesn't care if anybody likes him. He doesn't need to be a U.S. rep to give his life worth or meaning. Mm-hmm. And so he's doing all the stuff and he's telling all the stories. Matt Gates is doing a phenomenal job of lifting the mask back on who the Republicans are. And that is why they hate him because he is exposing to our nation what the Republican Party is and what they represent. There's a lot of memes starting to circulate with Matt Gates as the center, you know, him behind American flags and him with a halo and him as the hero. He said the swamp is on the run. MAGA is ascendant. And if you don't think that moving from Kevin McCarthy to MAGA, Mike Johnson shows the ascendance of this movement and where the power of the Republican Party truly lies, then you're not paying attention. Well, we talk all the time about how the representatives do not represent the people. They represent the corporate special interests, the donors, the lobbyists. And that is we are we are to blame. Because we do not engage and punish these people for behavior that is harmful to Americans. And and look, the politicians recognize this. The politicians recognize the apathy. They recognize it at a local level. They recognize it at a state level. They recognize it at a federal level. And a big part of this is, and we've talked about this as well, news as a collective, I mean, obviously, look, there's Fox News, there's MSNBC, et cetera. But in terms of engagement in covering actual governance, there is not that much news, right? There's just not left. Like, I live in Hendricks County. It is one of the three or four most populous counties, fastest growing counties, whatever, in the entire state. There is a once a month newspaper that comes out that or maybe it's twice a month. It doesn't matter. Anyway, the point is they will do a one-page, very brief description of what happened at your local council meeting in the communities. Mm -hmm. There's no detail. There's no covering. There's no investigative reporting. These were the agenda points. They're not going to tell you how what was discussed, but... Yes, it's it's copy and paste. Yeah. And, you know, now Hamilton County has a little bit more of this. They've got some more coverage, but... The newsrooms, there. If there, if you even have a local news organization, the chances are they've they've been financially gutted because they're probably owned by a big corporation. Mm-hmm. To the point where these politicians are just like, yeah, whatever. I don't I don't fear you anymore. I mean, you've got left and right at the Indiana State House, people are just quitting their jobs, and there's never any sort of investigation on like why. why. Yeah, you know, why did Randy Fry quit? I can tell you there's a whole bunch of rumors going around the state house mm-hmm. about why Randy Fry just suddenly quit his job. Mm-hmm. There's not been a single reporter do some deep dive investigation on why state rep Randy Fry just walked away. 
chip, another example, you know, they had that chip perfect, the guy, in, and then the guy in Terre Haute. Mm-hmm. You've got all these powerful people who just quit and then they get replaced by party insiders, everybody just goes, oh, well, caucus. That's, sure, that's the way it works now. That's that's normal. Well, investigative journalism is expensive. You can spend a lot of time and resources on it, and at the end of the day, you may find nothing. And corporate America doesn't like nothing. And, and so my, my point on all of this is the politicians recognize at all the levels that we can pretty much do about whatever we want. Bob Menendez has been uh, charged for the second time, mm-hmm. and he's still a U.S. senator. The second time, Casey. But I thought Chuck Schumer and him had conversations. <laughs> and he's still waltzing yeah. around. Now, who knows in the legal system how that'll play out. The point of this is this thing has thrived, and this thing I'm talking about, this cabal-like thing, where especially in Washington, they write special rules for themselves, they don't serve the people. They serve donors and lobbyists and special interest groups ahead of the American people because people are apathetic and there is not the deep dive, in-depth coverage and examination necessary to give people information. And people just throw their hands up and they just they just quit. And Matt Gates is doing his part for what journalism won't do, which is telling you what's going on behind closed doors. So he has declared victory. He says there's hand-wringing on K Street over MAGA Mike Johnson becoming speaker. MJ, that's what I'm going to call him from now on. But this was absolutely fascinating. Matt Gates was on Steve Bannon's show. Yeah. And they were talking about what happened behind closed doors that led to Mike Johnson becoming the speaker. And you want to talk about spilling the tea yeah. and drama. Matt Gay, I mean, this has to be, at the very least, I mean, this is some crazy sausage-making stuff that you're going to hear. Like, at the very least, he's embellishing. Yeah. But this has to be true. No, it, yeah. He's not going to be I believe every bit of it. out broadcasting this. I believe every bit of it. Absolutely. All right. You want to hear it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, here's Matt Gates telling the story about how the draining of the swamp and Kevin McCarthy happened. So as Emmer is withdrawing, Mark Molinaro, a moderate New York freshman Republican, stands up at the microphone and says, well, instead of restarting this process and having a candidate forum and sending everybody home for a good cry, let's just take a non-binding poll on where people would be on the person who came in second to Tom Emmer, and that was Mike Johnson. And Elise Stefanik said, well, that's against the rules. The, The rules don't contemplate it. We can't do that. And brilliantly, Mark Molinaro says, then I move for unanimous consent that the rules be waived and we take a poll on whether or not Mike Johnson uh, could be our speaker nominee. And guess who objects to that unanimous consent request? Kevin McCarthy. Who was that? Kevin McCarthy stands up <laughs> oh, and come erupts on. and says, I object to doing a roll call on Mike Johnson. And Mike Johnson was exasperated. All the times Johnson had voted for McCarthy, had carried his water, maybe even voted for some bills he didn't like because he, w- he was working toward the Republican conference's stated objectives under McCarthy. And, and here was the thing. It showed everyone that it was actually McCarthy who was working to knife Scalise. It was actually McCarthy who was working to knife Jim Jordan. Uh It was McCarthy working to knife everyone. And he hadn't yet figured out a way to knife Mike Johnson. (laughs) And so he was worried that there was going to be this great unifying moment. And he scuttled the unifying moment. 
So because of McCarthy's objection, we had to have this three-hour delay. And, you know, candidates announce again, have another form. And guess what happens during that delay, Steve? Patrick McHenry runs to the House floor, opens it up out of recess, and then adjourns till noon today. Now, why did he do that? Because they were setting up a play to block Mike Johnson with write-in votes in the intra-conference process for Kevin McCarthy. Incredible. Now, the question would be to professional office hopper Aaron Houchin and Larry Bouchon and Jimbo and the rest of the Good Time Fun Gang and the establishment wing of the Indiana Republican Party, these congressional reps who told us how great McCarthy was and what a great job he was going to do and how Matt Gates and the seven other Republicans were basically destroying the country and single-handedly creating all this chaos. Mm-hmm. One, they were in the meeting. They saw it happen. Do they refute this? If so, what is Matt Gates lying about? And if they don't refute it, do they still stand behind Kevin McCarthy as their choice? And if they say no, mm-hmm. are they willing to apologize to Matt Gates and say, we made a mistake? Yeah. Why would he lie about that, Casey? Well, exactly. I mean, there's so many details there that you figure that's yeah. at least partially true. I mean, there may be some embellishment, but I think the core of that story is true. Well, I don't doubt any of it. And just the game playing and backstabbing that was going on these people want nothing more than to hold on to their power absolutely kevin mccarthy wanted to be speaker of the house absolutely he wanted it bad absolutely and, and would do and, anything to keep it and i again the internet is forever and it'll never go away and as long as we're here for however long we're blessed with that that we will remind people about who your U.S. representatives were, everyone except for Victoria Sparks, but she's her own version of crazy and ridiculous throughout all of this because <laughs> she was for him before she was against, you know, it's like John Kerry. I was before the, uh, for the war, before I was against it or whatever. I mean, these people, I mean, Indiana should be ashamed of itself, of its representation throughout all of this. All seven of those Republicans were shameful. I mean, it is... Uh, and then they won't apologize. They won't own it. They won't anything. They'll just skadoodle on about yep, their day. Just and going to move on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the way it works. Okay, coming up, we have a lot of audio from Joe Biden. He had himself a big black tie affair last night, a state dinner. Hunter Biden, by the way, was, oh. was not there. He was MIA from, oh, from, the sta- from the state dinner. And also something really gross happened at the Taco Bell in Kokomo that we have to talk <laughs> about. It's coming up with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning. It is 19 minutes after 10. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So President Biden said yesterday that the Israel-Gaza crisis should have a path toward peace, which includes independent states for the Israelis and the Palestinians. And he wants to integrate Israel into its Arab neighbors. And he had this press conference with the Australia prime minister, and uh, he said that uh, the U.S. support for Israel's defense is ironclad, but the parties need to think about a way forward. (laughs) What does that even mean? You need to think about a way forward. Mm -hmm. The way forward is somebody going to win and somebody going to lose, and the side with the most amount of dead people is going to be the loser, 
and the side with the least amount of dead people is going to be the winner. This is an insolvable thing at this point, Casey. The peace agreements, how many times have we seen this? Oh, peace in our time, and oh, record groundbreaking accord, and it doesn't work. It doesn't hold. This stuff's been going back thousands of years. Just the only solution to this is somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose, and the U.S. needs to simply just stop, just stop stopping Israel. Okay, so he went on to say that Israelis and Palestinians equally deserve to live side by side in safety, dignity, and peace. And when the crisis is over, people have to have a vision of what's next. However, the crisis is not over. I I saw it was reported last night. I think it might have been on CNN that they said that Hamas was planning this two years ago. Of course. And you know what happened two years ago? Hello. This is where you tell me what happened two years ago. Joe Biden oh. got into office. Oh, very good. Okay. Yes, I see what you're, I see what you're, I mean, it was like you gave me the entire world in 2021. It was <laughs> right. like, Rob, would you like to pick which thing happened two years ago? Um, that look, thing. Look, you're right, but you're right. You're right. And Trump talks about this a lot on the campaign trail, mm-hmm. which is no one fears Joe Biden. They know he's a joke. They probably know he's suffering from some sort of, Affliction that affects his mental capabilities. Not that they would have overly feared him when he had his mental faculties about him. And so people are just doing whatever the heck they want because they keep getting rewarded for it. Well, they need to figure out what they're going to do because they seem to mess up everything. And did they learn nothing from the ordeal in Cabal? You know, there's still Americans left in Afghanistan right now. But let's listen to Joe Biden. Here he is (laughs) accidentally thanking the Palestinians. I want to thank the Israeli, uh, the Israelis, and the Palestinian, excuse me, and President Sisi of Egypt. He's confusing who he's even thanking. Um, he was he was asked about the hostages, and he says, "Yeah, they're in jeopardy." But are these hostages uh, in jeopardy if there is a ground invasion? You want to make a speech? <laughs> Now, look, obviously they're in jeopardy. The question is whether or not there's any way of getting them out. If we can get them out, we should get them out. Well, that's some brilliant leadership right there. If there's a way for us to get them out, we should get them out. You think? I just, I, look, I mean, sometimes there's just no commentary necessary. It speaks for itself. This is your president. This is your commander in chief. And he has no answers for anything. Okay, so Hamas was reporting on the death count, and the president was asked about that if he believed what Hamas was saying about how many were dead. And this, he actually, believe it or not, gives a good answer. If I may very quickly, in the 18 days since Hamas, Hamas killed 1,400 Israelis, the Hamas-controlled Gaza Health Ministry says Israeli forces have killed over 6,000 Palestinians, including 2,700 til- children. You've previously asked Netanyahu to minimize civilian casualties. Do these numbers say to you that he is ignoring that message? What they say to me is I have no notion that Palestinians are telling the truth about how many people are killed. I'm sure innocents have been killed, and it's the price of waging a war. I think we should be incredibly careful. I think not we, the Israelis should be incredibly careful to be sure that they're focusing on going after the folks that are the pro- propagating this war against Israel. And, uh, and it's against their interest when that doesn't happen. But I have no confidence in the number that the Palestinians are using. 
Okay, but see, this is where he talks out of both sides of his uh, of his backside, Casey. Because on one hand, he says this, which is true. They're, they're you know they're lying, you're and, right, and you know they're a propaganda arm. But but then yet he's going to give a hundred million dollars of quote humanitarian aid, and he's going to go, oh yeah, just trust him that it'll end up where it needs to needs to be, no problem. Right. So in this, he's saying I don't trust their numbers, but then hey, we're going to trust him with his humanitarian aid, <laughs> which you know they're going to take that stuff and they're going to build rockets and bombs and everything else with it. Yeah. Uh, finally, here he is is giving Iran a warning. My warning to the Ayatollah was that if they continue to move against those troops, we will respond, and he should be prepared. It has nothing to do with Israel. Um, I, I think that Iran is unfazed by Joe Biden's warnings. Well, hell yeah, he just gave them $6 billion, and they were chuckling all the way to the bank. I mean, I, God, what, what? How do these are the how are these the people that get to lead the greatest idea ever conceived by man, which America is? I mean, it's just uh, how have we have we sunk so low that of three hundred and thirty million people to choose from, Casey? That's, this is the best we can do. That's the one we have. Uh, it is twenty five minutes after ten. It's Kendall and Casey on ninety three WIBC. All right, let's uh, let's change the narrative here yeah. and talk about this Taco Bell. <laughs> In Kokomo, uh-huh. under investigation, after a photo of an employee receiving a haircut in the restaurant. Oh, that surfaced. seems that seems bad. Yeah, this is uh, not so great, huh? So the employee was terminated. Yeah, she shared this photo on Facebook because she said she thought it was a little weird that somebody was getting uh, their haircut right next to the food prep station. Wait, they fired the employee who shared the photo. Uh huh. Whoa. Now they have since given her job back and they've asked <laughs> they've asked if she wants to be um located at a different taco bell <laughs> but the employee is is deciding whether okay it's so, a good fit so i have a rule casey mm-hmm. and you can tell me if i'm crazy but uh, the stories like this remind me that i'm not crazy i always go in to a fast food place if i get if I order food because I want to see it, you can see the food being mm-hmm. made. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't really, you obviously wouldn't have seen it being prepped, but you can see them. You got the little holes in the chute. And I know I look at the screen and I see which one's orders mine. I see it being put together. I always go in cause I fear stuff like this. And so I want to see it all in real time. I almost never use a drive through. Uh, the employee, the former employee who posted the picture of the haircut said, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I've never seen anything like this before in my 10 years of working in the food industry. And I, this just grosses me out so much. I feel like, what are they going to do? Pedicures next? And we're going to play find the toenail. There was a, there was a hair salon up in South Bend and the hair salon closed down and a Penn station oh, no. sub place uh-huh. opened up yep. in the business. Uh-huh. And I would never eat there yeah. because they thought, was there before. Well, did they go in and clean out the yeah. vents, or are there stray hairs flying around in the uh, it, HVAC system? If you are going to eat fast food, you've got to just accept there's some road hazards along the way, and there's probably going to be some stuff that you are consuming that, if you knew you were consuming, it would make you sick. I think it's just like it's just like going into battle in the military there's going to be some casualties and you that's the risk you take if you're going to eat <laughs> going, the fast food going into yeah. battle when you make a run for the border uh it is 10:27 we've got your voicemails coming up from 93 WIBC it's time to hear from you Kendall and Casey present voicemails 
brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. I'm so sorry you have just reached my answering machine. It is 1033 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. The phone number 317-684-8444. If you'd like to contribute questions, comments, smart remarks, whatever it is with your voicemails. And we start off with another comment about the mayor's race in Indianapolis. Some people have said that it is better to vote for Jefferson Shreve and get incremental improvements than to have another (laughs) than to have another term from Joe Hogsett. And uh, somebody called and wanted some clarification on how to vote in the mayor's race. Uh, Could you please explain what you're trying to say? Because it's not clear. Are you saying that people should vote for uh, Hogsett instead of Shreve? Are you saying that they should just write someone in, which would be a waste of vote? Or that they should just not vote at all and they should skip voting since you think that it's wrong to vote for Shreve? Man, I've been at this for seven years, Casey, and I thought I'd made it abundantly clear, but apparently not. I've clearly the broadcaster has failed. My belief is very simple. My vote is earned. My vote is not given because someone is the lesser of two evils. My vote is not given because one guy is an F minus and one guy is an F. My vote is earned. And by earned, it means you will do things that will make my life and the lives of people around me better. You will have less government. The government you have will be run efficiently and effectively. You will steward the taxpayer dollars well. And each government position offers something a little different. And when we're talking about part of the mayor of Indianapolis big portion of that is what will you do to secure this city? That is the number one issue. There's nothing I have seen from Jefferson Shreve that shows me he will have the hard fights necessary. You can write anything on a piece of paper, but there's nothing about Shreve's personality or any sort of passion that he's shown to show that he will have the hard fights necessary because it will be he will be one against the world. You're, you're going to be a lone Republican against a whole bunch of, you know, Democrats and left maniacs. That's going to involve fighting every single day for the people of this city. There's nothing Shreve has shown that shows that he will do that. Now, what I have seen from Shreve is that he took the coward's way out, which is because he thought he saw some poll somewhere or whatever. Because I don't believe Shreve is actually stupid enough to think going after law-abiding gun owners is the way to solve violence in the city of Indianapolis. So what it showed me is, because the guy's probably a billionaire, he's not stupid, he's smart, he knows what's going on, he knows what the problem is, that he is willing to play politics, that he is willing to take the path of least resistance if it thinks it will help him politically, which tells me that is not going to make the city better. I disagree that Jefferson Tree will be incrementally better than Joe Hogsett. I've seen nothing from Jefferson Shreve that shows he will be the fighter. So what I would do, now I don't live in Marion County, but Mm -hmm. the approach that I take is if my vote is not earned, then I just leave it blank. Most of my ballot is almost always left blank. Okay, so there's the devil you know, right? And and that would be Joe Hogsett. You know what you're getting there. With Shreve, there is an opportunity though, possibly, maybe, magically, you could get a different outcome. Is that worth the vote? I know it has been earned, but is it worth taking the chance? You know what you're going to get with Hogsett. 
at least with Shreve, there's a chance, a possibility, a maybe. Is there? I know the people who run Shreve's campaign. I know what complete losers they are. I know what the Marion County Republican Party is. I know what complete losers they are. I know the proposals Shreve has put forward. I know they're crap. I don't I don't believe there's a chance. In fact, I think it would probably here, here's the other side of this equation for me, Casey. And I love Indianapolis. I don't live here, but I've obviously worked here for a long time. I've been mm-hmm. a Hoosier lifer. I've been coming down since I was a little kid, the city of Indianapolis. The Indiana Republican Party is run by many of the same people, not not the exact same people, but the same orbit of people who are running Shreve's campaign. And they keep getting big business and big contracts and everything else because they have convinced the politicians, and we have proven them correct, that no matter what crap candidate they put forward, you will vote for them because you fear the Democrats so much. The reason we have the highest taxes in the history of the state, the biggest government in the history of the state, and the biggest cost in government in the history of the state is because we have a bunch of Jefferson Shreves in the Indiana State House. I'm done with that. I refuse to participate in that sort of behavior. Jefferson Shreve has had numerous chances to be a guy that I would look at and go, yeah, everyone should go vote for him. Even when he first brought the gun, and you were there, Casey, Mm -hmm. right? Even when people like Hammer were very, very, very upset, did I or did I not say, let's bring him on, let's give him a chance to explain it, let's not jump the gun on this. And everybody was upset with us that we weren't blasting him. We said, no, no, no. We're just going to give him the platform yeah. and, and let I, him tell everybody where he stands. And I even thought going into that debate the other night, I was like, okay, if he shows something here tonight, mm-hmm. if he shows you some fire and some passion and he's willing to pin Boss Hogsett down on where he was in the riots, mm-hmm. he does none of that. And so if he doesn't have the passion or the enthusiasm to hold Joe Hogsett accountable, is he going to fight for you? Okay, so there's just one point. We know he has said... Where, you know, in regards to where was Hogsett? Jefferson Shreve has come out and said, you know what? I'll be there. At least you'll know where I will he be. He will be there going after law-abiding gun owners. Yes, Casey. And look, this this lady asked my opinion. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to square themselves when you go in the ballot box. This is my approach to voting. And a part of it is because I know these people personally. I know the people personally who run Shreve's campaign. I know what they are. Um, I know and was around these people, and I know the disdain they have for regular people. I know the disdain they have for conservatives. I know how they would much rather work with Democrats than conservatives, and I've just had enough of it. I mean, but again, I'm the same guy who said we should go six months without a speaker and let's see what happens. It can't get any worse. (laughs) I just think it's hard to have an honest conversation with yourself and go, I think Jefferson Shreve will do a good job as mayor. And if you don't think you do a good job as mayor, what is your standard to earn your vote? And that is... Look, a lot of people are going to go in and vote because they hate Hogsett. Yeah. A lot of people are going to go in because they fear four more years of Hogsett. Mm-hmm. You've got to square yourself. But unless you start forcing the Republican Party in the state to put better candidates out there, you're, you're going to get more of the same. You're just going to keep being mad. Now, you're the one that matters most, Casey. I, you matter way more than me because you are a Marion County resident and a voter. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking you who you're voting for or how you're going to vote, but I'm asking you, can you walk us through your thought process? Well, I think I have because, I, you know, I'm one of those people who says, well, we know what we're getting with Hogsett. And at least with Shreve, there's the chance, the maybe, the possibility. Every voting is a personal thing. And I and I think with Jefferson Shreve, you've said many times, the guy's probably a billionaire. Yeah. You don't get to be a billionaire by making a lot of stupid decisions. Yeah. My question for Shreve. Do you make one or two? Yeah. And he's made one. Yeah. 
My question for Shree, we're going to have Abdul on next hour, and we're going to talk a little bit about this. Why did you, why did, I mean, let's, I say take it. Obviously, clearly people voted for him. He earned it. But he spent a disgusting amount of money to win the Republican primary mm-hmm. mayor by many millions of dollars. Yeah. Why did, so I'm using take it in the sense, I don't believe Abdul is entitled to be the mayor nominee when I say this, but it's just the word that's coming to my head. Why did you take it from a guy who really wanted it and would have really been passionate about running against Joe Hogsett if this was all the enthusiasm you were going to offer as a candidate? Mm-hmm. Like, what? Are you, now, are you talking about his debate performance? Talk about the whole thing, Casey. Okay. I mean, we've had him in studio twice. Did yeah. you? There's no passion. And maybe maybe he's just wired that way. Yeah. I don't know. But you need somebody with passion to beat Joe Hogsett. You need somebody for people to believe in to beat Joe Hogsett. You're up against not just one guy. You're up against a machine. Mm-hmm. And you need a cult of personality. You need someone that people can look at and go, yes, I believe that this person even if what they're saying doesn't even necessarily, I don't even maybe believe all of that. I believe by their sheer personality and enthusiasm and passion, they will not stop until the thing gets done. Shreve doesn't, Shreve is more passionate about the food deserts and the animals than he is the violence in the city. Well, I don't think you need a flamethrower to create change. I mean, there's the, you know, talk softly, carry big stick. And for all we know, Maybe he is that fighter. But his, he's just. But his big stick case, he's going after doing unconstitutional, proposing unconstitutional, uh, illegal things. But we all know he's not going to be able to do that. He's not going to be able to change the Indiana state law. Oh, okay, so this is very fascinating because remember when this happened, mm-hmm. you and I had this conversation, and I said, let's bring him in mm-hmm. because maybe he's just doing a wink and a nod to this, and we're going to move on down the road, and I'm going to be pissed off about that, but if he gets back on and spends the entire campaign on where Hogsett was during the riots, et cetera, then maybe we forgive that. He's made it the core of his campaign, Casey. He was adamant in that debate. He's going to fight for that. He was not, he is not shy. I mean, he spent millions of dollars on ads and letters, mm-hmm. on, on ads and letters, trying to get you convinced that this is what he wants to do. And if he's willing to violate the Constitution and the law of the state of Indiana, then he has no regard for you. He has no regard for your rights. And if he'll take it from you here or try to take it from you here, what else will he do to you? And by the way, all these people, Abdul is a part of the establishment. No kidding. (laughs) <laughs> this wasn't a conversation about who's some deep-rooted conservative. Mm-hmm. It's a conversation about the mayor of Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get uh, uh, Ronald Reagan as the mayor of Indianapolis. You are going to have to have a somewhat more moderate person run a city of this size. There's too many Democrats. you got to be able to win and cross over. And Abdul would have made crime and violence and solutions to that and challenging Joe Hogsett, the epicenter of his campaign, and not, we've talked about it with him many times, going after law-abiding gun owners on already easily provable, unconstitutional, illegal things. It is not not establishment versus unestablishment here. It is about, is this guy going to actually fix the city? Mm -hmm. Is is this guy actually going to fix the city? And I have no faith that he would whatsoever. So I hope that answered that lady's question. Well, we didn't get to nearly as many phone calls as I thought we would. Oh, (laughs) crap. Well, we'll do them next hour. How about that? We still have a lot more we could get to. Hammer's going to join us next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 
1049. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And Hammer joins us in the studio. We missed you yesterday. Glad to see your face today. Yep. Good to be back. I've got uh, a lot of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. So I'll be in and out like next week too. Um, What's odd is the timing. So I'm out next week, the day after the election through Friday. Mm -hmm. Uh, The crazy coupon ladies having some uh, surgery done. So I'm taking care of her at home. Yeah. But I don't want people to think, no matter what happens in the mayor's election, Hammer didn't want to come into work. <laughs> like, no, I am taking care of the crazy Family coupon lady. Family stuff. Right. Uh, okay, so happy anniversary to you. I can't believe someone wanted to be married to you for 21 years. Man, if you think about it, Crystal Hammer hit the husband lottery yeah. 21 years ago on this very date. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I get it. Because if you look at me, I am entertaining, yeah. I'm handsome, mm-hmm. and I've got very tan athletic thighs. Uh-huh. You're like a member in the wedding singer where the old guy who became blue and old school tries to get in the bar fight and goes, I'm sorry, I used to be much stronger. <laughs> <laughs> 21 years of figuring out new ways to insult each other today <laughs> Fantastic. for uh, me and Mrs. Hammer. Now, you guys don't do big uh, celebrations. so No, we you... make fun of those people. Uh, yeah, you're going you're gonna to slap <laughs> some cologne on and say, come give me some loving, baby? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> She's probably going to be doing some stuff with her mom tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be taking care of the boys, yeah. and we'll do something another time. Yeah. We are not those people like, what did you get me for my anniversary? You better have something for my yeah. birthday. Those people are the worst. You're right. She did hit the husband jackpot. And, and think about him. <laughs> he was actually very skinny and good looking when she married him. Mm-hmm. He's I'm good looking sk- now. He's getting skinny again. Notice too. he didn't say skinny. I'm country strong. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I do owe you a big thank you because, and I felt bad about this for about two seconds and then I laughed because you sent me a bet that you made last night. I bought each part of your bet down a little bit and I hit a four-leg parlay and because you didn't buy it down, you didn't hit it. So thanks for the money you made me last night. Sorry, you didn't make money. I was playing with house money. It was a free bet that I got from my provider. So yeah. I didn't want to buy any points. I wanted the big bucks. Yeah, I know. You play. You, you bet a level. I am not familiar with. You gamble to a level I, you know, I've got two I had two bucks but I had a four-leg parlay so it was a good little payout and it's like, I can lose off that for a week. <laughs> and if you want to lose tonight, oh yeah, we've got multiple ways everybody can lose tonight. Uh, Thursday night football we've got college and the NFL Buffalo at home taking on the fighting Baker Mayfields yeah. of Tampa Bay. It's nine points? Nine is the line. That's a lot. Although yeah. Baker Mayfield stinks. So did a little homework, and it turns out when Baker Mayfield is on the road yeah. and he's more than a touchdown underdog, uh-huh. one and nine. Wow. One and nine, which doesn't bode well for Buccaneers backers. What was that game we bet on? Was it the Steelers with him a couple weeks ago or the Raiders or somebody that he played? And he couldn't throw the ball three yards down the field. We got totally hosed a couple weeks back on Thursday night football or Monday night football because it's one of those things where like, surely they can keep it within three or four points. This other team stinks as well. Buffalo at home tonight. Buffalo's been struggling a little bit. They lost to the Patriots last week, but this feels like one of those breakout type Mm -hmm. of games. So are you laying nine? I'm laying nine. What? I'm in on the over on Josh Allen touchdown passes, which is set at one and a half. Last three weeks, it's been four, two, and two, which last time I checked, that's over one and a half. Yeah. So we're riding the lightning on that. And do you remember the Colts kicker, Chase McLaughlin? Oh, yeah. He is the Buccaneers kicker now. The weather shouldn't be too bad in Buffalo tonight. 
over one and a half made field goals by McLaughlin for the Bucks. All right, because so you, I don't think Baker Mayfield's getting in the end zone. Yeah, so you got uh, you got uh, McLaugh- McLaughlin with also maybe related to Sarah McLaughlin. Yes, uh, <laughs> which will be having a tribute, I'm sure, for the Shreve campaign some yeah, point right. in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> exactly. Uh, over so oh, two field goals or more. You've got uh, Buffalo covering the nine. It's and a big th- number, but man, and then because so they got to win by ten to get the payout, and then you got. Uh, uh, over one and a half touchdowns from Josh Allen. That's the NFL action. Do you want a little Thursday degenerate oh, action? Yeah, give let's us a nuts. degenerate yeah. special. So listen, anybody could watch the NFL tonight, but the real degenerates <laughs> yeah. are watching the battle for the Peach State, mm-hmm. Georgia State at Georgia Southern. Oh, wow. That is a game in the Sun Belt. We call uh-huh. it the Fun Belt in the gambling world. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of going against the public here. Kind of. So Georgia Southern's at home. They are a one-point favorite. Yep. It's basically a pick em. But it was at two. Then it was down to one and a half. Yep. So now it's a one-point game. This tells me the public is jumping on the Georgia State side. I'm fading the public. I want the home team tonight. Mm-hmm. Georgia Southern's going to throw the ball 50 times. They do not care if they get picked <laughs> off. They will go forward on fourth down. They throw the bejesus out of the ball. Georgia State. Their secondary stinks. Their running game's really good, but their secondary stinks. Uh, I'm often amazed at the games you even know exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I will watch those videos you do and Scott Long does on, on uh, Friday for your show, your picks, which you can find at WIBC.com. Winning records, uh, both I'm, of us. I'm watching some of these games going, I wouldn't even know to have bet on this game. I didn't even know it was a game. And then I just steal your bets, and I've made back most of the money I lost on my own bets. Well, I'm earlier. glad to hear that, because, man, I've lost the real Degenerate special the last two weeks, yeah. which all have a play on that tomorrow Mm -hmm. and that one stings the most because that's the one i spend the most time on but i still had a winning record last week and here's the thing casey the high you get with gambling you've never lived until you have been sitting uh by yourself in your home with your baby asleep begging (laughs) watching it on a in on the internet chart Mm -hmm. tracker begging for miles turner to get two more points in a (laughs) 20 point blowout game with five minutes to go in the contest i know you had a lot of money riding on that. you want to feel alive casey that is how you feel alive right there on a random saturday where rob is like taking care of his child he'll get a text from me we need a stop from eastern michigan (laughs) from eastern michigan well sure the big game what's coming up this afternoon Uh, uh, we are pre-gaming it. We got the uh, wings on the smoker, the beers on yeah. ice, a couple turds lined up for a big debate tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Hammer. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.